tgirl.com. You just click on the pictures there. They're actually free videos. I update them every week. They'll appear differently depending on whether you're on a laptop or PC or mobile device. If you're on a PC or laptop, you just, like I said, click on the pictures. You may have to enable the Adobe plugin. It's free to do that. Um, and the video will start playing for you automatically and you'll get more videos that way. But if you're on a, a mobile device, you can click on the blue charms that say mobile movie and the videos will start playing for you that way. You can um, see that side of me and my friends. You can get a subscription, make a contribution, or just check out the free stuff. All of the above are very much appreciated. You can check out, so thank you. You can check out the Living Water pages there, uh, Living Water Chapel pages, or the Naked Truth pages there, or and get an idea what we do here on the Naked Truth, which, as you can see from the screen, it's going over the Gospels. We focus on the red letters because they're only in six books of the entire Bible, and they're quotes of what Jesus, who, if you're Christian, believe was sent to bring us the message of God himself, actually I had to say on different topics so if you're gonna call yourself Christian Jesus should get the last word so and where we're gonna pick up where we left off in the book of Mark and in chapter 12 this is the passage that stood out to me because it contradicts what a lot of churches will teach you one is that they'll tell, tell you marriage is forever and all of this stuff Jesus very clearly says here those for when they rise from the dead they neither marry nor are given in marriage but are like angels in heaven. So that lets us know very clearly, one, there is a rising from there, there's a resurrection, a hereafter, and in that life, it, we're not gonna be bound by oaths and promises or legal contracts like marriages that are made here on earth. So just something to consider. One of the many things that Jesus says that contradicts what a lot of churches actually teach and say is Christian. So anyway, that's what happened in chapter 12, among other things. We're going to pick up in chapter 13 now, um, if you'd like to read along with me. Um, I'm reading this from Bible.com if you want to see it too online. Um, so Mark chapter 13, thanks to them for that. God bless them for that. So here we are, um, Mark chapter 13, verse 1. Then as he went out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Teacher, see what manner of stones and what buildings are here. So they're impressed by the surrounding temple. Jesus answered and said to him, Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. So Jesus is saying, Yeah, you're impressed by these magnificent buildings, how impressive they are, but he's saying a time is coming when not one stone shall be left upon another. So notice Jesus is talking about, they're talking about the temple. See, they went out of the temple and they're noticing the stones of the buildings there. Because some preachers will try and say that even this hasn't happened, even though it's a prophecy that they lived through, saw them. Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, tell us what will, when will these things be and what will be the sign when all these things will be fulfilled? So they asked him more than one question there. Notice that. They asked one, when will the things be? That would be what he just told them, that one, not one stone will be left upon another. So that's one thing they asked about. So the next thing they asked about was, what will be the sign when all these things will be fulfilled? So that's another thing they asked about. But, um, so don't lump it all into one question. It's not. It's more than one. So Jesus is going to answer them. And Jesus answering them began to say, Take heed that no one deceive you. That's the number one thing he tells them. 
to beware of. That's lies. That's beware of being deceived. For many will come in my name saying I'm he and will deceive many. So he's saying the number one thing they should be look out at for is someone coming deceiving them and particularly deceiving them in Christ's name pretending to be Christian. And as even though this is the very first thing he warned them about, this actually already happened and they many of them believed it and it lives on today. The one who came saying that he was sent in Christ's name was Paul. His name was Saul, and he changed it to Paul, but he came saying he saw Christ in the desert. Um, no one else was around to see it, but he came with an entirely different message that the rest of the New Testament basically is dedicated to preaching, not Christ's message, his message. So it's exactly what Jesus warned them about and what lives on today. People will hold Paul's message as Christianity, even though it's not. It may be a... a the umbrella for other faiths that call themselves Christians, but they're not at all what Jesus preached at all. At all. You can see that for yourself beyond the book of the Acts, like chapter 2. Jesus has read letter teachings in there. The rest of that are preachings that the disciples gave and that Paul gave, and Paul never walked with Jesus. You can read that also. He was not one of the disciples, but this is exactly what Jesus warned them about, warned us about even, but people still follow it. But when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be troubled, for such things must happen, but the end is not yet. So that's something that's not new. That's probably been happening since Cain and Abel, wars and rumors of wars and struggles in the nation. So Jesus is saying, don't let that trouble you. It isn't anything new, unfortunately. For a nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be earthquakes in various places. And there will be famines and troubles. These are the beginnings of sorrows. I remember experiencing an earthquake. It's nothing nice. And it was reason enough to make me go ahead and pack them up and move it. Um, so I could see um, an earthquake like that being enough to make um, people migrate to another area. Well, watch out for yourselves, for they will deliver you up to councils. So anyway, before I go on, those things that Jesus mentioned are things that are actually hard to pinpoint because they're not anything new in the human experience over millennia. There have always been wars, it seems, and rumors of wars and earthquakes in various places and famines. All sad that none of those have ended. Excuse me. In another sense very humbling that some of them have ended because it lets us know we don't have control over everything watch out for yourselves for they will deliver you up to councils and you'll be beaten in synagogues you'll be brought before rulers and kings for my sake for testimony to them so the thing to notice here is again he's talking to this is verse 9 he's talking to the disciples these ones in particular this is who came to him privately so when preachers try and twist this around and tell you that this is for us to look out for because they're going to deliver you up to synagogues of Satan, it's not what Jesus said. He's saying this to them, and they already have been. So know that, that this has already been fulfilled. So don't go around thinking that there's um, a Jewish synagogue getting ready to deliver you up. That may happen for some other reason. But the one, the prophecy Jesus is talking about, them being beaten in synagogues and brought before rulers and kings, already happened. And um, it's already been fulfilled. And it makes sense that it's been fulfilled because otherwise, how would people have faith to believe in it if you're still looking for prophecies that the disciples already died fulfilling to happen to you? 
it you have to you know it's who is speaking to he's speaking to the disciples particularly here some of them and some of them like i said have already died and the gospel must first be preached to all the nations so you know this hasn't happened yet because everywhere um hasn't even got a copy of the gospel the internet will quickly make that prophecy come true and it's probably going to be a key um element of making that prophecy come true um, not necessarily the printed word to see it, but the access online to be able to actually see it. And that doesn't mean people are going to accept it. That's just access to it. The preaching of it has to be there. The offer has to be there before the end will come is what Jesus seems to be saying here. But when they arrest you and deliver you up, do not worry beforehand or premeditate what you will speak. Or whatever is given you in that hour, speak that. For it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. So, you know, again, this is talking directly to the apostles, particularly the ones that took him aside. You just read it. Um, so, um, you know that that's who he's talking to because this happened to some of them. You can read about some of them when they were stoned in the New Testament and persecuted, even by that same Saul slash Paul who um, did exactly what Jesus warned them about, what Jesus warns us about. But still, people believe him and believe that and take that as gospel when, again, it's not what Jesus said. In fact, it's what Jesus warned you against. Now, brother will betray brother to death. Oh, so Jesus, again, and this part again is pointed to the disciples before we move on. Um, that it's the Holy Spirit that will speak through them. This has already happened also. That's how we have a hard copy of the Bible. Because they've already given their testimony. And um, presumably it would be because they couldn't remember every single event word for word for word on their own ability presumably it'd be the holy spirit that helps give them the um recollection or the the ability to repeat it anyway by word of mouth that at least in some form survived and lived to the format we're reading it to this day um as imperfect as it may be um now, brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child, and children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. So Jesus is letting us know division is on its way, and at the root of it will be Christianity, the faith in the word of what Jesus has had to say. And again, they, the disciples already fulfilled this because we have the Bible here for us. Now what's being fulfilled is the gospel being preached in all the world. The other element that Jesus says has to happen first. Remember, we just read it. That, where was it? Um, oh, sorry. First, the gospel must first be preached to all the nations. So that has to happen first. And the gospel's already been formed in the Bible. It's being circulated now. So, um... So he's saying all these things have to happen, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. Um, did I skip on about the father's child and children rising up against parents? So um, that some of them were brothers, the apostles, who ended up dying. So um, it's possible some of them betrayed each other, since we know Peter um, betrayed Jesus at the crucifixion. Judas also betrayed Jesus. All the rest of the disciples forsook him and fled. So it's possible that some of their relationships broke down. But it also could be a forward-looking prophecy beyond what the disciples would experience to us. Possibly. 
but he's not done. So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing where it ought not, let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. So the abomination, that would mean something that's an offense to God, of desolation, that would mean emptiness. So it would be an offense to God not to have something there. Standing, um, um, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing where it ought not. So it would seem in that passage in Daniel, it's talking about when the daily sacrifice ends. So you know this also has already occur occurred because the temple's been destroyed. So there are no more uh, sacrifices being made there. And I think this happened around 70 AD. So this again lets us know. And when that happened, one of those abominations would be those Roman goddess figures being set up, God and goddess figures being set up in the temple uh, where people are supposed to be worshiping the God of the Old Testament anyway. Um, so this already has also happened. So um, Jesus is saying when you see all of that happening, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. So it was a warning to them also that when this was going to happen, when they're surrounded by those armies around 70 AD, that's the time to flee. Let him who is on the housetop not go down into the house, nor enter to take anything out of his house. So Jesus is saying, run for your life, basically. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. So again, this has already happened. He's saying, flee, run for your life. And this has happened already in 70 AD when the city was surrounded and the people were besieged and not allowed to get out of the city at some point to be able to get any food, ended up starving and even eating their own children, resorting to cannibalism to survive. So, oh, excuse me. But woe to those who are pregnant um, and to those who are nursing babies in those days. So again, that's, I think, an allu alluding to the fact that people will be desperate and eating the children. And it already happened. Um, and some preachers will try and twist this to mean something completely different and say this is talking about the end times. And that he's talking about people who are nursing along Satan's work. Satan hasn't been mentioned here at all. Uh, or saying um, uh, they're impregnated by false doctrine, not mentioned at all, not what it says at all. You have to follow the subject, and that's not what he said. He's saying pregnant and nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight may not be in winter. So some people might think that this would mean the flight of rapture being carried away. The word rapture actually is not even mentioned by Jesus at all in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the Acts, or Revelation. So again, that's something else that's been cooked up by Paul that people do preach and believe, but it's not something that's gospel. It's not what's, what Jesus says anyway. And it's not in Revelation either. Um, but he's saying there is a flight, but I think he doesn't mean in the sky flight. I think he means fleeing, leaving, like... Um, uh, like I said, already in 70 AD, when they, if they could have gotten out of the city, did before it was surrounded and besieged and the hunger hit them. For in those days, there will be tribulation, such as has not been since the beginning of the creation, which God created until this time, nor ever shall be. Now, this does sound like it's pointing to an end time um, prophecy rather than just around 70 AD, because 
there have certainly been wars and things since then, the atomic one for, for instance. But if that's the case, if it's pointing to an end time tribulation, then that throws out the whole preaching of um, the end being um, an antichrist coming peacefully and prosperously. We've read through Revelation and there's no mention of the word antichrist at all. Uh, nor is there a mention of the word antichrist in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the Acts, or Revelation so far. And we're almost done with the book of Revelation. So, um, again, that's a preaching that um, Paul came up with and is preached throughout the world. Even now, this day, it survives hinged on as a thorn around the root of the plant of Christianity. It's also spread and people believe it, but it's not something Jesus taught at all. But he is saying here that at the, at the point where this thing happens, um, it'll be um, great tribulation such as not been. So that leads me to believe it is talking about an end time tribulation. And when he says winter there, he would have to be talking about, if you're going to project it onto modern times, he would have to be talking about a nuclear winter where people use nuclear weapons at some point and the sun is blocked by uh, the clouds. So the world is thrown into an artificial winter not because the sun isn't shining but because we can't don't have access to it because of our own misdeeds um and then that would be like nothing ever before because besides the sun being blocked which would do all sorts of other things beyond night and day it would do all sorts of things to our vitamin d our immune systems um, but then also there would be the radiation, if that's the sort of winter that Jesus is alluding to here, which seems like it would have to be if you're going to think about this as a prophecy of something that's to come, not of those times that already were. Um, so he's saying it's going to be a great tribulation. Unless the Lord has shortened those days, no flesh would be saved. Before the elect's sake whom he chose, he shortened the days. So he's saying it's going to be so bad that... Um, Almost no one would make it. And for the sake of those who are elect, and I take that to mean chosen or maybe even predetermined of God for a purpose. If it weren't for those, for those, the sake of those, then no one would make it. Um, but for those ones sake who are Christians, who are part of God's big picture, whether Christian or not, for the elect, the chosen one's sake, he shortened the days. Then if anyone says to you, look, here's the Christ, or look, he's there, do not believe it. So Jesus again warns them, be on the lookout for people who tell them, look, I saw Jesus. And yet, Paul came along with this very message saying, look, I saw Jesus in the desert and he gave me this message. And yet, people believe it. And it survived. And it got tagged on to the truth. So much so, that people will turn away from those six, that tithe of the Bible, those six books of the 66 books that have some of what Jesus had to say to us, it gets lost because people get distracted by what is Paul and those teachings there um, that attempt to overshadow it like thorns in a garden. Um, so, Je But Jesus did warn them. He said, be on the lookout for that. And when people tell you that, don't believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. So he's letting them know those false Christs, meaning false saviors, uh, false um, messiahs, and false prophets, meaning people with false spiritual teachings, will rise and show signs and wonders to deceive. So he's saying they're even going to show signs and wonders, which if you read in the New Testament beyond the Acts, 
there were different signs and wonders attributed to Paul and the different things that he was said to have done. But I'm sure if you've seen anything on TV, you know that the things he's said to have done, like casting out demons or making someone get up and walk, can be repeated. You can see those sort of miracles repeated on your televan on the TV by televangelists. Uh, but the miracles Jesus did beyond casting out demons, but actually making body parts whole or healing vision, that can't just be repeated by a faith healer. Uh, unless they actually have some power and then like jesus says before if if they are able to do it by some power you can't attribute that power when jesus is able to do it to satanic power because that wouldn't make sense why would some evil force go around doing good things so anyway jesus is letting them know warning them that false people are going to come along beware but take heed see i've told you all things beforehand so even that gets twisted to say Oh, all things have been told to us through the law and the prophets and the Psalms and the apostles and the disciples and the... He didn't say that. He said, I. That means Jesus. Well, we need to know Jesus told us. And he says he's told us all things. So maybe the Bible doesn't include all of Jesus' teachings because powers that be, that, that be may have edited them and kept them from the public eye. Entirely possible. Even likely. Excuse me. Oh. But we do have a grain, uh, a mustard seed size bit of the truth in the four Gospels and the two other books that have quotes to Jesus. So that's what we have to work with as Christians, um, as our guide, as far as what Jesus has already told us beforehand that we need to know but in those days after that tribulation the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light so jesus letting us know this is talking about the end time tribulations now so it would have to be way beyond what the disciples experience and i guess the the prophecy to them about what they're gonna deal with probably ends right here what he says about the abomination of desolation and the destruction of the temple because around that time all the disciples had pretty much been wiped out um except for john uh, that one disciple made it um to an old age um at least it's documented to have made it to an old age whereas the rest were martyred put to death somehow most all of them um so then we've moved on now to a prophecy of what's happening at the end it seems but in those days after that tribulation, so Jesus is saying after that tribulation that they've gone through, that it's going to take them out. The sun will be darkened. So he's letting us know there will be an eclipse marking this time, most likely, whether it's natural, man-made, or whatever. There'll be some sort of eclipse. And the moon not giving the light that the sun shines on it. The stars of heaven will fall and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. So if you're talking about literal stars falling, this could mean um the uh meteor showers could be interpreted as the stars falling like the pleiades when uh another pleiades the um um one just passed by a meteor shower an asteroid meteor shower i think it's called a geminid meteor shower the one around my birthday um that one um but so that could be the stars falling so it could be letting us know the time of one of, of this event but if if you're talking in a figurative sense then you could step into what it says in Revelation where the stars falling would be angels being cast out of heaven. 
um, and that that's the powers in heaven that are being shaken, depending on if you want to, which way you want to take it. But if you want to take it that way, notice that there haven't been any mention of bowls or uh, trumpets or vials that are mentioned like they are in Revelation, like they're mentioned in Revelation. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. So none of those bowls or vials or trumpets mentioned like in Revelation, uh, none of that, nothing about an Antichrist. And then now you have Jesus appearing on the scene. So that lets you know you have to choose. Are you going to believe what Revelation says? Which may have some truth in it. Or are you going to believe what Jesus has to say? Because the things prophesied in Revelation are not generally in red letters. They're the vision the prophecy that whoever John is who wrote it. Or at least had it documented. So just something to consider. So at this point Jesus is saying that's when he's coming back. Um... And you're going to see it come, see him coming in the clouds with power and great glory. And then he will send his angels and gather together his elect from the four winds, from the farthest part of earth to the farthest part of heaven. So this lets us know what the end will actually be like. Nothing like it. it's described in Revelation in those details anyway. But instead, Jesus is going to return, send out the angels, gather together his elect, that's his chosen ones, Christians, or elect chosen for whatever purpose it is God has us chosen for, gonna gather together at that point. And notice how it says the farthest part of earth, so that means all around the world, but also to the farthest part of heaven. That lets us know with just a glimpse, just a word, Jesus knows that space exploration or life beyond here on earth exists. And that even those life forms, even if it's just us traveling in spaceships, also will be counted at that moment that judgment will happen at that moment for all now learn this parable from the fig tree when its branches already become tender and puts forth leaves you know that summer is near so jesus is using here a parable of the fig tree but even this gets twisted by some preachers to say um that well, let's just read what jesus is saying jesus is saying here now just like you can look at a fig tree any any fruit tree but if you're looking at a fig tree you can tell that it's summer is almost near apparently because the uh by it, it sprouts out leaves then eventually you'll see fruit so you know summer is near because it's time for the fruit to come in a harvest so you also when you see these things happening know that it is near the very doors so jesus is saying when these are markers he's given the disciples to know when their time's up and even beyond their time after the temple is gone the abomination of desolation the emptiness of no sacrifices being made there anymore after all that passes even for our generation um the things that are happening and um so when you um so just like how you know the fruit is near by what's happening on the tree that summer is near by the fruit and the leaves on the tree he's saying no by these events i've given you that the harvest is almost near the end is almost here assuredly i say to you this generation will by no means pass away to all these things take place so jesus is saying this generation the world isn't going anywhere to all uh, these events that he's named off to them take place. That would be the abomination of desolation. That would be Jerusalem surrounded by armies. That would be brother against brother. All those different things that he prophesied have to happen. He's saying 
um, before the end will come. He's saying heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. So he's saying uh, the prophecies Jesus made about the things that are supposed to happen are going to happen just as sure as the world exists. And he's saying and even the world itself could stop existing but before his words stop existing or going to happen or um, not happen. Um, but of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. So Jesus is saying when it comes to the end, only God knows, not the angels, certainly not people. He's saying not even Jesus himself knows when the actual end will be. But only God, the Creator, the Father knows. Take heed, watch, and pray, for you do not know when the time is. So he's saying there's no way for us to know. So stay vigilant, watching for these signs and praying. You know, staying right with God, staying in touch. It is like a man going to a far country who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to each his work and commanded the doorkeeper to watch. So he's saying the whole thing, the big picture is like someone leaving their place to their servants to watch it and take care of it to house sit for them while they're gone. And he's saying that whole it's it's like us. We're being left with care uh, in the care of the kingdom. The Christian faith is being left to us to take care of and spread and nourish until he comes again. That's the mission he's likening it to. Watch therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming, in the evening, at midnight, at the crowing of the rooster, or in the morning. So Jesus is saying, just like uh, we don't know when the coming will be, when Christ comes again, for believers, obviously. Uh, similarly, it's just, just like when someone trusts you to house sit their house. You don't know when they're going to come again, but you know what uh, you've been assigned to do and uh, your duties. He's saying, so make sure you're diligent to do them um, and stay watching because it could happen at any time. Lest coming suddenly, he find you sleeping. So just like if you're house sitting or babysitting, you're supposed to be doing the right thing the whole time because that's what you're paid to do. Um, like law enforcement, paid to do the right thing all the time, not to break the laws and get away with them. He's saying, so similarly... When that moment comes, if that moment comes and you're caught with your hand in the cookie jar, he's saying similarly, if you're caught sleeping, babysitting, or house sitting when you're supposed to be watching, he's saying it's not good. So the same way, we don't know when Jesus is coming again, so make sure we're circumspect about our behavior, our words, how we treat each other, our keeping in touch with God, um, watch and pray, like he says, see, watch and pray. So staying in touch with God and watching ourselves to make sure we're doing the right thing. He's saying, um, let's come and suddenly find you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to all, watch. So he's saying this is a message for all, not just for the disciples. He's saying this is for anyone, all, not just Christians even. It's for all to watch and see. You'll see it happen and you'll just see which side of it all, where in the big picture do we all fall. And the disciples saw where they ended up um, in the prophecy that he just gave. And now it's for us to, like he says, watch. And we'll see it come to pass. And we'll see where we end up in the big picture of God's painting. And that actually ends this reading. I appreciate you checking it out with me. I hope it was a blessing for you. And hope you'll join me again. God willing, um, we have our um, John Luke Wednesdays where we go over those Gospels. Uh, 
Matt and Mark Mondays, that's today. And then Saturday after midnight, um, early Sunday morning, where we'll um, pick up and wrap up a review where we went over the book of Revelation just after midnight sometime. So I hope you'll join me for those. And I appreciate you checking them out. In the meantime, wash your hands, wear your mask, love your neighbor, and thanks again. God bless you. Peace.